Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 69 of the Z Haley Show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the Z Haley Show, please, please, please like, share, and subscribe. It really does help um, the show, and the more likes we get, the more show you get. So please do that. I really appreciate it ahead of time. Uh, Before we get into our very perfect special guest co-host, for episode 69 of the Z Haley Show, uh, I have a couple of housekeeping things that I'm really excited about. I have two shows that happen this weekend, and then I have one more show before the end of the year, and I would love to see you there. Today, Friday, December 13th at 9 p.m. at the Spread Art Gallery on Rosa Parks Boulevard <laughs> in Detroit, Michigan, come out for AWOL Theaters. Uh, pop-up holiday showcase. It's going to be a totally bomb-ass evening of improv comedy and stand-up featuring myself and Blaine Hill. Uh, you can buy your tickets beforehand. All the details you can find at my website, zhilly.com, and just check out underneath classes, the letter N, and shows, and you can see everything that's going on. It's going to be a really good time. I'm excited to be a part of this uh, rambunctious improv pop-up show, so come check it out. I have been talking about this for a couple weeks now, and I really, really do hope that you consider coming out to support the 2019 Roast of Santa, a fundraiser for the Save the Children Fund. This show is on Saturday, December 14th at the Independent Comedy Club in Hamtramck. All ticket proceeds are going to go to benefit the Save the Children Fund. Specifically, these dollars are going to go to help give support and hopefully reunite families separated at the borders. We're asking for a suggested donation of $10 at the door, but if you'd like to give more, you're certainly welcome to. Doors will be at 7 p.m. For an additional donation, you can have a professional photo of you and Santa. Uh, The show itself will start at 7.30. There is a lineup of some bomb-ass talent, and you can get all of the details on zhaley.com slash classes, the letter N, shows, slash 2019-rose-of-santa. I know that's a lot. It's for a really good cause. I think it's going to be a really good time. And friends, it's an early show. So if you have parties to get to, if you have gift wrapping to do later in the evening, if there's something else that you have to do, come unwind, relax, have some um, holly jolly magic and enjoy yourself for a good cause and then go on with the rest of your evening. I'm just saying it's better than pre-gaming. So yeah, please come out for that. Um, Thank you so much for even considering it. If you want... um, to see all of my information about where you can see me from your yoga mat, or you can see me on stage, you can go to zhaley.com and check out my shows and classes. Okay, I'm really excited about this week's special guest co-host. Um, he's a longtime friend of mine, a resident of Ypsilanti, comedian, chef, human being, dad, and just overall sweetheart badass. Bruce Pike is one of my dear friends and amongst of all all the titles that he has. He's doing some really incredible work to take care of himself. Today's episode is going to be a mixed bag of really intense fun, a little bit of vulgarity, um, and we're going to be talking about the journey of sobriety. 
So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, There might be some sensitive spots for some of my friends who are listening, but I I do think that the content is really, really helpful. If you or someone you know is struggling with substance abuse, you can reach out to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. They have a 24-7 helpline with options in both English and Spanish. Um, They're open 365 days a year. So whenever you need help, you can always give them a call at 1-800-626-HELP. That's 1-800-626-4357. So if you feel inspired or if right now you know that you need help, feel free to reach out to them. Now, without further ado, my dear ones, let's get into episode 69 of the Z Haley Show. Hi. Shalom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Um, I'm going to have you say your first and last name just so that I have it on record so I know how to pronounce it correctly. Oh, my, I have everyone do it. My, my name is Bruce Peich. What's P-Y-C-H. Your, what's your middle name? Jared. Oh, that's right. You were... Yeah. BJ! BJ! BJ's Pete, the Blowjob Pro. Hey, everybody. Hi, yeah. Bruce. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Long time coming. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Um... What's up? What's good? What do you want to talk about? Oh, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. I got uh, something to say about anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, or at least the story. Um, yeah. So I know you through comedy, mm-hmm. just so our friends know. I know you through, through comedy. Yeah. Um, I think when I first met you, I don't know why. I don't think this is the truth. <laughs> but in my head, you had bleached a portion of your hair. No. No, that's not you. Okay. I do remember that you would wear those giant, enormous hoodies. Now, you're enormous. Mm-hmm. How tall are you? 6'5"? Six, 6'5", five? Six, five, yeah. Fucking yes. Not uh 6'5". And you're big. You're yeah, a big guy. Yeah, yeah. And um, you used to wear those really big, like, not Echo or FUBU hoodies, but they were <laughs> basically <laughs> Echo or FUBU hoodies. <laughs> Yeah, a lot and, of Adidas zip-ups. Yes, and you used mm. to stress me out because it's winter time, and you would roll up, like, we went to the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase a couple times together, mm-hmm. and you'd roll up, and you'd be like, all right, and your voice was even lower somehow. Like, it's not as low now, it feels like. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the booze and the, the chain smoking kind of <laughs> that up. And you'd roll up and be like, all right, Haley, let's go to fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. And they'd be like, you've got to be fucking freezing. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we would go to the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, and we would perform, and I would talk about what I was nervous about, and you would talk about whatever the fuck you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the one other big memory I have of you, um, like good memory, is we went, <laughs> we went yeah. to um, the Bomber, we went to the Bomber Diner for breakfast one time. We did? Hand to RuPaul. I, no, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't have been because the Bomber has been on my blacklist. Do you, want to tell, do you want me to tell you why? Because we went together, and it took them a half hour to take our order, and then it took a half hour, like, it took more than a half hour for the food to get to us, and you're like, I hate going here. We should never go here. 
It was, I guarantee, we went there together. I guarantee it because you told me, like, I never, I never want to come here. I hate coming here. It's always like this. I will never come here again. And I remember being like, I had gone, I remember telling you I had gone with my boyfriend at the time and I was like, it was not like this. It was fine. Because when, because I lived down the street. I know. And I remember the time I was like, I'm never coming back here. I was like, can you please remake my food? It's been sitting in the window for over 25 minutes. And they were like, you need to take that or leave. And I was just like, fuck you. I'll never come back here. And we come here every weekend. So none of these. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I just remember that. Anyway, Hmm. those are my two big memories of you. Well, let's see. I remember, I think I just remember seeing you do stand up. For the first time, and I was like, "Wow, she's gorgeous." Thank you. Please I think go you on. Had like a nice, like a gray skirt on, but it was like a a, a school teacher skirt. <laughs> a pencil Seemed skirt. Like, like it was like it was like like yarn, and it was yeah. like knee knee mm-hmm. length, and you had a nice blouse on. And then the next time we did the Santa Claus roast. Oh my god! At Laugh tracks. Yeah. Um. And then we were just friends from there, and then I remember Wait, you living in Ipsy. Were you the Santa Claus? Who was the Santa Claus that night? Uh, uh, John Jude. Okay, I have no idea who that is, but I... So my big... From that... It's funny, I'm doing another Santa Claus roast. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, I, my, I don't know... I know why. My first thought was, like, I'm going to sit in Santa's lap and ask, like... And ask for things that I want, and that's going to be like the just gist of my joke. I had no idea whose lap I was sitting in, and I just like sitting on there. And for a while, I thought it was you because I was like, you had said something afterwards, and I was like, oh wow, oh he must have been Santa. No, yeah, well actually, John Jude was his stage name. John John K. It's a very Polish name. I I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But yeah, no, I remember that, and like. I just remember there was like a Santa roast, but the beginning, like it was kind of like cutesy and fun, and then I went on <laughs> and did like real, like real roast, like uh, you yeah. know stuff about you know, I mean just just real real dark stuff, and I was and people were just like, whoa, what is going on? I'm like this is a roast, guys. Right? Yeah. So I just went in and like I remember it like it ending with I was like telling a joke. I was mad at Santa because he didn't bring presents the year that my mom got cervical cancer. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember distinctly this one lady in the front crowd just went, Oh my god. Well Laugh Tracks was such a funny club. It really was. Laugh Tracks uh, was in Livonia. And yeah, it, Lavo- yeah, it said Novi, but it was it was. Well, it was like on the border. Yeah, yeah. And it like, it was in um, a row of like. It was in that odd strip mall. But it was like next to a bunch of like factories and like offices mm-hmm. that none of which were open at that time, and uh, there, it was always freezing in there. It was always cold, which I liked. Which I barely survived. And, um, yeah, I, I liked the room. The audience could be goofy, though. Well, there was, well, one, so to get to it, you had to go into that pool hall and all those the oh, creepy Armenian managers and shit that God. were there, that 
I totally forgot all about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that guy with the, the dirty white V-neck t-shirt and the gold chains. He's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you had to go in there, and then the club was attached to it. But it was cool because you could put on your own show there. Uh-huh. They were always down for that. They had the mics. They had contests. And uh, the crowd, it was, I've had great sets in there. I've had horrible bombs, Mm -hmm. empty rooms. I've also had good bombs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I really enjoy bombing. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you still perform? A a little bit, yeah. Okay. A little bit. Because you're sober. Yeah. Do you you feel good about... Do you feel good about talking about that? Sure, yeah. So you're sober. You've been sober since... Um, you've been on a journey of sobriety for a couple years. Y- yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you've been focused sober since... This last about um, September 26th. Good. That's really good, bud. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, doing, doing, doing <laughs> it again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You seem so much... So, like, I'm... Clear. Uh, doing stand-up... 100% sober and like I mean sober but also clear headed mm-hmm. like I've done I've been on stage sober where I haven't been drinking but it was still foggy yeah and now I'm just I can I'm so much more in my head and I'm on my feet I'm tagging I can pull in and out of things I'm, I'm thinking two three steps ahead yeah uh, and that it's it's a lot it's a lot of fun good it's still fun I I mean, I told this, told this to you before we got on mic, but mm-hmm. I've just always experienced you as an incredibly intelligent... You're very intelligent. Thanks. You're super, super fucking smart. And um, there's something about your vibrato and confidence that, like, you remind me of the energy of a John Cena, where it's like... <laughs> And, and here's what I mean by that. Let me get specific. Sure. Please do. John Cena is surprising because he's actually this very sensitive, thoughtful, progressive mm. person, right? Like, I think everyone, the internet's sort of been taken by storm by the fact that, like, he's smart enough to get the joke, mm-hmm. and he's clever enough to make it, and make it in ways that you don't expect. Yeah. And, uh... But he's also aware that he is this big ass man, and he's just like, "Here I fucking am." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But deal with me, and I um, love it. I love it, and it reminds me of you because what makes me excited about your journey into sobriety is that, like, because you are so fucking smart, and because you're not being slowed down, it makes me excited to see you on stage again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun uh, being up there, and it's the the style that I always go because I, I you know I am a dirty comic, um, but I'm not like dirty for the sake of like just just to say smut on stage. Yeah. Um, there's thought to it. There's a there's I like to create this like pathway where we start in one area and we end up in another area. Yeah. You don't know how you got there, but you know you went on a ride. Yes. And there's <laughs> there's there's uh, a cutesiness to it. Yeah. You know, you can tell that these are jokes, this is silliness, um, that uh, you know, to take away some of the threatening of A the material and, and my size. Yeah. 
um, to where you see that we're, we're just there to have a good time. Yeah. There to laugh. And I guess that's what I mean. Like, I think every single person that takes to the stage has a something, right? Like, mm-hmm. I lo- when you just said, I have to overcome my size, in my head I'm like, I would fucking, I would do several things to be as big as you because I've, cause I'm li- like a little woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thick and stuff like that, but I'm like a little woman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, I feel I have to work a lot harder to hold the room. Now, I don't have to work as hard anymore because I've gotten really good at it. Nice. But like... When I was younger, I had to work so hard to get people to fucking focus and listen to what I was saying. And now, in, um, I mean, I'm very grateful for who I am, and I, I wouldn't change anything about it, but damn. Well, I, it's uh, coming, so when I come on, plus, I, like, I am well aware of my, I have a certain level of douche look to me, you know? Um, and I, I'm aware of that. I can't look at you when you do that. <laughs> I, I understand that. And it's not necessarily downplaying it, but it's also to make sure that I don't, I'm not coming off as, uh, um, you know, I think I'm this super cool. I mean, I'm not Ed Hardy douche, but, you know, I always have some type of haircut, whether it be some type of mohawk, some type of mullet. Like maybe bleaching, like maybe bleaching part of your hair. I've always wanted to do that, but I don't because it's like, that's too much. I have to keep the meter kind (laughs) of right, you know, right, right in the middle of the bell curve and not going to extreme. Yeah. You live in Ipsy, not Belleville. Yeah. You're still Mm. close enough to Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Love you, Belleville. (laughs) Smell Belle. Uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, also you have to be aware, like when you come on stage, I mean, everybody's sitting there judging me right away. Mm-hmm. So I have this douche level. I have, uh, you know, my initial vibe can be, uh, uh, an asshole from high school, uh, bully, bully, yeah. you know, um, uh, you have to have confidence on stage, but also that confidence could be misinterpreted as this uh, e- egotistical, yeah. like, I, I know I'm the shit, and yeah. I'm here to tell you why. So that's, you know, and then that's when the self, you know, self-deprecation always works well to, See, to for, ease the, the, the crowd down. And I, I, me personally, I love it. Yeah. I love and it's like, I have a story. I have a story. I'm here you for it. had a show okay. at Live... Yes. In uh, PJ's Live. Yeah. In, downtown in, Ann Arbor on like 1st Street. Yeah. <clears throat> and the first half was stand-up. Uh-huh. The second half was improv. Yep. The crowd was there to see improv. Yes. The stand-up, not so much, but they were going along with it. So I'm, I'm doing the show, or I'm, I'm, I'm back in this, the, the green, quote, green room yeah. area. There's just like curtains up. And this guy goes on, and he's a dirty comic, but he's dirty for the sake of dirty. Yeah. Right? There's no cleverness to yeah. it. And he's bombing on stage. And you're giving him the light, but he won't get off because he wants to go off on a laugh. Yeah. And it's just not coming. And it just he just keeps going and just digging in deeper. Oh, my God, yeah. Deeper, oh, my God, yeah. I remember this deeper. now. And now the crowd is just, he hates 
They him. They hate what's going on. They're like, let's get this fucking show on the road. And so I come on stage. Mike Zarr was hosting. <laughs> I come on oh stage. Oh my God, yes. And I, I open up with uh, three jokes. And these three jokes are self-deprecating to me. I am the butt of the joke. And this one girl, she goes, uh, she says something. I, I stop. I go, I'm sorry, what? Who said, uh, what, what, what? I'm sorry, what did you say? And she goes, be nice. And I go, be nice. <laughs> I made three jokes about myself. Who am I being mean to? Be nice. How about you be nice and learn how to shut the fuck up during a stand-up show? And right then and there, the crowd's just like, <gasps> and I'm like, well, I lost you guys, so fuck it. I'm just going to go through my set. So I lean, I put my elbow on top of the speaker and I just run through my set through fucking silence. I'm still doing like my timing. I'm hitting my beats. I'm not speeding things up. And I just keep on going, keep on going. And I get done and they're just blank faces. And then Mike Zark comes out and he's like, fuck yeah. He gives me a stage. And then I walk out and uh, I forgot who I was with. Uh, <laughs> I think it was my then wife. And I uh, I was just like, she's like, so uh, are we going to hang around? I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and that was my first time ever responding to a heckler. And I always remember that story. And I used to bring, because I, I think I had a video of it. And I, I used to watch it. I, I always love that. Why don't you learn how to shut the <laughs> fuck up during a comedy show? Yeah. the crowd. Telling a young girl to shut the fuck up. It is what it is. But, I mean, it was, I think that particular show was just fucked. <laughs> I don't remember all of that. But um, I was, I was on the improv side. Mm-hmm. And they... I don't think I booked, or maybe I did book the comedians, but I wasn't doing, I can't remember that part. I don't think I performed comedy that no, night. No, I you did not. just improv. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, just try, we were just trying it. And um, yeah, it was a weird night, and I don't know like what the vibe was. And I can't, I don't remember who the comedian was that was doing the dirty jokes. I don't either. It was my first and last time seeing that guy. But I was just like, wow, yeah. this fucking sucks. Because, like... <laughs> it really did. He was fucking awful. I think, personally, like, I would not brand myself as a clean comic. Mm-hmm. But I, like, try really hard to read my audience. Because a lot of my brand of comedy, especially now, it's been a while since we've seen each other on stage. Yeah. So let me tell you about it. Um, I like to... I like to connect with the audience, and I like everybody to feel like... My favorite part is when people come up and they're like, I feel like I'm your best friend. And mm. I, it does not mean that I've been nice the whole time. Sure. But it just like I just like to have people feel like they are a part of the show. This is our show. Mm. Just like the Z Haley show. It's our show together. Um, and I just... I think sometimes people, they just are like, this is what the show fucking is. And I think that guy set a weird tone. And then everyone else is like, what do we do with this? Sure. I, yeah. I mean, he definitely, you know, set a weird tone. He definitely put a turn in the, in, the, in the punch bowl. And I guess also, small aside, and I'm not trying to give us excuses, 
doing shows, comedy shows, like improv, because we did improv shows at live for a while with Motor City Comedy Improv. Motor City Comedy Improv? Whatever the fuck. MCI. Motor City Comedy Improv. Motor City Improv, whatever the fuck we were called. I cannot recall it right now. Um, <laughs> it was weird to do it there because, like, it was a nightclub. And so we would have a show. We would have a show with, like, 40 people inside, and it would be, like, my grandma and a handful of other, like, working people and, like, girlfriends, I, boyfriends. I remember, like, kind of, like, families being there. Yeah. Like, generations were coming to see, you know, their, their cousin or whatever. Yeah. And then the best part was, um, straight up, we would walk out after the show, and it would be, like, the college kids waiting to, like, grind on each other. Yeah, yeah, And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. weird. This is weird. Yeah. I... <laughs> Think about your venues, comedians. Yeah, the venues, I... Oh, you know, it was another uh, good times was the uh, when you helped with the Heavy Flow Comedy Show. That was fun. At uh, was it Crossroads. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah. There were parts of that that were fun. There, the it, last show I did with you was not so very fun for me. Was it Was it the birthday extravaganza yeah. when I showed up shit-faced and mumbled on stage? Yeah, but... Said punchlines first, like just talked about my shoes or something. Yeah, um... Do you, do you mind talking about this? <laughs> no, like, for real? No, no. So, like, what's... Obviously, the industry of comedy in general. We're getting into this bigger thing, so we're just building a little fortress so we all know where we're at. Substance abuse is something that a lot of folks use in the comedy industry, in performance industry, and so a lot of people struggle. Life. And... I am generally speaking not someone that drinks. I generally speaking am not someone who does drugs, especially when I'm on stage. And so uh, I have come become accustomed to the fact that like I'll go to shows, I'll be in the room, and I'm probably the only person not drinking at all. Yeah, well that that show was promoting. I think I used to throw edibles into the crowd. Yeah. yeah, and that and that was okay. Like that was fine. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun, and we did like. We did, like, four or five shows together. Yeah, well, we did about... I mean, I I did that room once a month for yeah. a solid year. Like, even on, like, Facebook, those flyers still pop Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like... So, we worked together for a while, and then your birthday show happened, and, like... Yeah, the birthday with... It was, like... I think it was called, like, the birthday bash with too many comics. Yeah. Like, the book, and there was just a shit ton of comics on it. And um, we typically, like, co-hosted. Uh-huh. So, it was, like, we would switch, and... Man, we used to spend a lot of time together. Yeah. I'm recalling now. Yeah. Um, but you showed up, and usually you would, like, have a couple of drinks while we were there, mm-hmm. and then right about the time that the show was over, it w- you would be, I would be okay to leave, mm-hmm. and you would, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. You were so drunk. <laughs> you could not do anything. Yeah. And I felt super overwhelmed. Because I was like, we had a lineup, I think, of 25 comedians. Yeah, it was a lot. And I, and you were also super drunk, and you're so big. And so it was just like, I was like, God fucking damn it. I've got, (laughs) he's Bowser, I'm Mario, and I've got to get all these mushrooms on and off stage. And and that backstage area was, was a wreck. It was so small. 
and to go like through that side door out outside and then back in. And I was running around like a mummeluke, grabbing people, like you're mm-hmm. gonna be on stage and two comedians, and everyone's only on for five minutes. So come stand over here mm-hmm. so I can get you on and off stage. And then you were closing that night, and you got uh, on stage, and it was so painful. Oh, I'm sure to watch and. It was not. It was not fun. <laughs> I, I can certainly laugh at it now. First of all, I'd like yeah. to apologize for that. It was very unprofessional and just not a, a cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh, to a friend. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that sincerely, I'm, and I obviously forgive you. But it was, and I appreciate that. It's uh, uh, yeah. It was one of those one of those things where it's they they call it overshooting the mark. You know, you mm-hmm. you, you know you, you try to hit this certain zone where you're in the zone, and then a few more you'll be wobbly. I walked in in a rough state. You know, I mean, I'm sure because uh, I think the show was like my actual day of birth. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was your name day for sure. So yeah, so I probably woke up to kegs and eggs and uh, continued uh, in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, throughout the whole day, I do the the thing that I do remember about the show is coming onto stage shit faced, and I think I had a pair of blue leather Lacoste shoes, and I was. So trying to set up a joke and I my setup was the punchline and I was like well okay just riff make fun of yourself here for a little bit and I sat on the stool and then I mumbled about my shoes and that's all I remember because I think I I, I'll be really honest, this isn't crystal clear, but I'm like 80% sure that at some point I was like, hey, everybody, it's Bruce's birthday. Give him a hand from the audience. And I was like, we just need to be done. <laughs> we just need to be fucking done because this is like unfair and cruel to everyone involved, I'm sure, including I'm you. I'm sure it was a, a, a very uh, cringeworthy. And, you know, I mean, another thing to like when I knew like oh, I had yeah. gone too far, the drinking stuff was also like, that's just kind of how I was going to shows. At a certain point to where, like, people that I, like, rode with, and, you know, we went to shows together and all that, they're just like, dude, you're just drunk on stage. They're, yeah. They're, you're, there's no comedy happening. Yeah. It's all tragedy. There was, and I, I don't know if you remember this, and I don't remember all of the details, but afterwards... I was outside, and I was like, I don't know who I was talking to. I think it was Gary Madeira, maybe. Mm. And you came out, and you were like, I think you were trying to apologize. Okay. And you were you were literally falling all over, <laughs> and I and you were just like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, really, Bruce? Like, just it would be easier if you just wear it up. Just fuck off for a while, there, bud. And it's not because I didn't want to be close to you, but it's like nothing makes sense to you right now. Like you don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. And I just, and I think we talked about this on, before we got on mic and, uh, I just want to say like, it was super heartbreaking because we did spend a lot of like time together. Mm -hmm. We went to comedy shows. We were going to open mics together. We were doing the show together. We Mm -hmm. did a lot of shows together at that time. Mm -hmm. And like, I really meant when I said you're super fucking smart and so you were so fun on stage, and I, w- I was brokenhearted because I was like, I I can't do things with Bruce anymore. We can't be friends anymore. And I think I booked you for one other show. I actually think it was at Laugh Tracks. And 
there was like 10 people and it was all, it was like half of my coworkers from Detroit Public Television. Mm. And we had, it was, we, I had you come on for an improv thing, but you were drunk. Do you not, do you remember this at all? I, I think so. And it just, and part of it is, it just went terribly. But the other part of it was, is that you just were like, so out there. And I was like, okay, like. Out there in what, in, in my improv no. thing? Or just out there, like the booze had taken control. Yeah, it's like you weren't in the room. And I was like, oh, mm. okay, like this, this just is. the just... body in motion. And that was okay. And. <clears throat> It was it was fine. Like you didn't say anything derogatory or bigoted, which is always a step in the right direction. Yeah, I don't think I really <laughs> No, you don't. You don't. I just um I'm just so grateful that you're here. Well, I appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. And I think like getting sober is not something that that everyone pursues or is fully engaged in. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, uh, there's a lot of work, uh, into it. It's, it, it can be difficult. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably nice to live a life where you don't have to be in the situation where it's like, well, you're either going to die. Uh, you know, it's, you, you either die, you're institutionalized or you go to jail and I haven't died yet. So that's the only one left (laughs) (laughs) on the list. Um, and you know, I, I certainly was going there, uh, before I went to treatment in 2018, uh, June of 18, uh, I was in the hospital every other week, I'd say probably eight times in two months. Why? Um. For different things or? Uh, yeah, I mean, um. I went in there one time uh, to, I showed up to a detox center, and they had an ambulance come pick me up, because I showed up on mushrooms with a, when I got to the hospital, which I had probably stopped drinking an hour to two hours before that, when I got to the hospital, my blood alcohol level was a .56, so... I was highly, highly intoxicated, um, could still stand and talk, um, but was causing a scene. So they call the cops, they call an ambulance. I go in there, then I'm in there. Then I had a, a, a this horrible burn on my leg that has this specific type of scab that was going over it. So my le- my burn wasn't going to heal. And if I left it as it was, it was going to get infected in there and I have to cut my foot off. So then I was in there. Um, I had the detox, then I had a, um, skin graft, a skin graft done. And then there was a lot of, uh, then I have, I have heart issues. So then I'd be in for that, uh, more detoxing. Uh, I would wake up in hospitals because people would take me there. Um, just a lot of, uh, my body was just, it was falling apart. You know, uh, the fatty liver, I was, you know, two drinks away from cirrhosis and I'd be like, oh, that sucks. And then I'd go home and drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, uh, what, what can you do? Um, so yeah. And then my last time in the hospital, I woke up and my mom and, uh, my friends were there and a couple guys that 
I know, but I mostly know him through AA. And I woke up and I just went, oh, shit. Okay, so <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna intervene on your boy here, and uh, they went for it. I didn't uh, uh, resist, make excuses, fight back, talk back, and they were like, "We we can't fuck with you anymore. Um, if you're using you, you need to go get help." And I uh, I remember turning, looking to the right, and I breathed heavy, and in my head I just went, "Thank God." And I was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And then, uh, yeah, we made up time, and I had got a bed. They, I was waiting to get a bed at uh, Don Farm to Farm, where you stay three months, three-plus months on a farm, going through all your shit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I always like to show up to uh, treatment fucked up, because it's like the last hoorah, right? So I show, <laughs> I show up. I'm supposed to already be detoxed. I show up deep, you know, breathing fumes, and they're like, you can't do this. You got to go to the detox. I go to the detox. I spend uh, the first day, they're like, you have to go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. Second day, I come back. They're like, your blood pressure's out of control. You got to go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. I come back. The third day, third day of detoxing, I, I, I can get up, right? I don't need to lie in bed. I'm not puking anymore. The shakes have calmed down. And I, I'm like, let's go get some air. Let's go play some kickball. All right. So I go out the whole squad. The detox is is, is playing the 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 downtown uh, uh, impatient, and we're playing kickball. I'm at first, and all of a sudden, I'm not. Something's not feeling right. So, all right, let me go sit down. So I start walking to the bench, and I remember getting right to the bench, and then I woke up on a stretcher. What had happened was I had an alcoholic seizure. So I walked into the dugout area and I seized up, but I grabbed the chain link fence and I'm shaking having a seizure. But my team thinks I'm rallying them up like, come on, man, let's get this last out. So they're like, fuck you, Bruce. And my body finally stops seizing and lets go and I fall back. I cracked my head on the concrete, split my head open. Blood's going everywhere. Oh, my God, They Bruce. call the ambulance. The scene was so gory and traumatic that they had a, uh, a trauma group held for both the uh, inpatient and the <laughs> detox center for three days afterwards. And then I would be coming to AA meetings from treatment. You know, someone would... The, a bus would drive us or someone would take us and I'd walk up and they're like hey man how are you feeling you gotta be better and I'm like who are you what are you talking about and like I was there when you seized up man it's <laughs> like oh, I was just trying to rally my team for that win to get that W but yeah that was that that seizure and that seizure scared the shit out of me cause I was in a I detoxed one time <clears throat> I was like I don't know 19 or 20 and a guy on the van next to me had a seizure and I just remember that and I was like oh shit this is like really really real and I was like I'll never get that bad and then there I was all seized up <laughs> all that. I'm like uh, I'm like I don't need just take me up the stretcher don't take me in an ambulance I'll call an Uber and they're like no we have to <laughs> and I'm like no 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 I'm good I was like how do you even know if I had a seizure <laughs> because your muscles are going back and yeah. forth like my lactic acid levels yeah. are like off the chart and 
Um, and again, that was another moment where I was just like, okay, thank God, good. <laughs> we're good, we're here. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was how I uh, spent my first three days trying to get in there. And then I, I finished out that week, and then I went to treatment, and I was in treatment for uh, 80, 82 days, and then I went in transitional. And transitional's been a little up and down. Since it's a transition. It certainly is. They named it correctly. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much been the gist of it. But it's enjoyable. How do you feel... So when you tell these stories, like, the, the humor comes up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're a natural storyteller. Like, I instinctively, intuitively want to laugh at your jokes. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> this is this insanely traumatic experience. <laughs> like, well, that's when people laugh and they always cover their mouth. They're like, it's, it's the... Laugh. Yeah. It's funny. If it's funny, it's funny to laugh. But how does it feel, like, to know, like, for real, like, your body was like, Mm -hmm. we are evicting this soul, man. Like, Mm -hmm. how does it feel that you were, like, that you were there? Like, do you feel okay about it? Have you processed that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, I I knew I was there. Um, you know, uh, if I think too much on it, it can get sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I really can't dwell on that too much. You know, I didn't die. I have an opportunity to move forward and further my life, better my life, help others, and uh, do the things that I've always set out to do. So to sit and, and to be, like, scared about it, um, you know, I don't... Nah, I'm not. I'm not scared. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't re- regret it. I don't recommend it. I don't want to, <laughs> it. I don't want yeah. to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, even even when you're talking about the, you know, <clears throat> the the sad state that I was in at that birthday show, mm-hmm. all I can do is laugh at it. What, yeah. what can I do about it? Yeah, I guess it's done. I guess yeah. like part of why I'm asking is like for our friends who are listening who are sort of, sort of those happy clowns, right? Like yeah, whether sure. they're struggling in addiction or they're struggling in because you you said this Depression, great thing before dependency. Yeah, you were talking about this really great thing before we got on mic about like there's beauty in the darkness and i know that you were talking about that in representative in um in relationship to like your addiction how like you felt really good in the highs but in the lows there was something there for you too like romantic yeah ooh the deep romance mm-hmm. of darkness yeah, yeah. but i just wonder like for our friends who are listening who are those sort of happy clowns like what tools are you currently using to say emotionally processed you're not getting stuck in the sadness but like where you're yeah where you're like you're just processing what you're experiencing like what tools are you currently using for that um to process uh really what um i do uh is uh one acceptance realizing that this happened and there's nothing that i can do about it all i the only thing i can do is move forward and take proper actions to not repeat this behavior and then um look at my side of what happened what did i do to to get in that situation because you can have a lot of other blaming well i was in this situation because this happened you got to stop that because i was in this situation period you were in that situation what got you there so when i start taking 
Uh, when I start looking at what I had to do in any given situation and focus on that, then I can grow from there. But if I start looking at all these outside things and I, I say they affect me and I focus on that, then, then there's no growth from that. So if I look at something shitty that happened, traumatic that happened, embarrassing, um, all the above, it's, uh, it's really just about kind of learning and moving forward and understanding that I don't have to do that again. Yeah. That I, I, I don't have to make that mistake again. I made that. I fucked up. It was embarrassing. And I move on. And then when, when you learn from it and you let that shit go, uh, it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't have any power over you. Because those negative things, when you're thinking about it, you're like, man, I'm a shitty person. I can't believe I did that to my friend. Um, I put them in an uncomfortable situation. Um, I could have killed somebody on the road. Um, I've let so many people down. If you live in that and don't process what happened and then let it go, it'll just keep you down. You have you have to let it go to, to float. Yeah. To and- blossom. In obviously, like, um, I'm not sober, but like, cool. I know what it's like to feel held by things, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this thing happened. I'm forever, I must be doomed to be this incredible failure or this incredible whatever. Yeah. And I really, I really appreciate you sort of sharing that, like, being a part of the process is a way to release that stuff that doesn't belong to you anymore. And I think that's really, really helpful. So, thank you. Yeah, it's and it's it's a tough thing to do too. To let it go, mm-hmm. it really is. But I'm happy that I did, and I'm happy that I try to continue to. So. I'm really proud of you. Thank you very much. I'm not trying to like over flatter you, but just for real, <laughs> like I just really, really appreciate. Well, I'm no, just... it, it's nice, and also a thing I've been working on is to accept a uh, compliment. Good. Usually, I wouldn't like it if you tell me, "Come, oh, well, you know, it was a fluke," or "Oh, I'm really not pissed yeah. because I had zero self love." So, sincerely, thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad you're fucking here. I'm happy to be here. What do you want to talk about now? Anything oh. fun that you want to talk about? Any hot burning questions? Hot <laughs> burning questions. We got super serious, super fast. Um, hot burning questions? No, not really. Uh, I know I, I'm I'm doing a lot of cooking in life, right? Oh my now, god, so. talk more about that. Because <laughs> we wait. So like, you posted something, and you were like, not to brag or nothing, but look what I made for lunch, and I was like. Holy fucking shit! I want uh, you posted it on Facebook, and I was like, "That's amazing." Um, the, yeah. Well, so I I I cook at a at a vegan restaurant in Carytown, downtown Ann Arbor, uh, and it's it's fun. I am not vegan by any means, but I love that place. It's a recovery place. They give people felons that have gotten out of prison. They give them a chance to come in and get a job, get some experience move forward in their life um uh just re- i mean they get the, the, the charities and causes and, and people can come in and, and assemble and uh it's all about uh i mean liberal as fuck uh really uh it, but the food back to the food the food it's clean food you know we make everything in-house uh there's no microwave right so it's really fun and hands-on and we have the freedom to create whatever we want. If we have an idea, make it. We'll run as a special. If it goes well, then we'll move forward from there. Um, and with vegan f- 
cooking, what you're trying to do is to create texture and flavor that is as close as possible to um, animal products. Yeah. Uh, I also think a beautiful challenge in vegan cooking, just because my sister was vegan for a period of time and she worked at a vegan restaurant in Chicago. I also have lots of friends who are vegan, vegetarian, or some variation in between. Um, I have been vegetarian in different phases of my life. Um, When you have a mostly plant-based diet, I think a lot of people think that means that you are having garden salads. Yeah. And, like, cheese-covered eggs, if you can eat eggs and cheese, or, like... But there's so much fucking food out there. There is. The the, the great thing about this place is it's, it's like, it's a comfort food restaurant. So they do, like, the the deep-fried cauliflower wings and this oh uh, buffalo sauce. Yeah. Um, the, you know, um, a grilled cheese, a raspberry basil and spinach grilled cheese sandwich. Um... You know, uh, I, I make I make fried rice and General Tso's, uh cauliflower chicken, chicken tenders. Um, so going there isn't necessarily uh, not eating delicious fried food. You take anything and fry it; it's going to be good. Yeah. You know. Amen. Uh, we have Earth Earth balanced butter. We throw a shit ton of fucking butter. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Throw butter and cheese. Throw salt and sugar and something. It's going to be good. Um, but the thing that I like about it is that it's really, it's, it's opening up all these avenues to spices that I've never known about. Yeah. Um, and learning, um, a lot about that. And I enjoy that. And the thing that I'm focusing mainly on now is Asian food. Mm-hmm. I love Asian cuisine, mostly, um, uh, Japanese, Thai and Korean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very tricky to cook that stuff there's a lot of ingredients that go in there's special ingredients you have to get so i'm really enjoying that challenge um and cooking that stuff but that's what's that's what i do for fun what i work yeah (laughs) what i found about like cooking in my own life is that it's a beautiful discipline because i used to not have discipline i like i used to be like i want my i just want scrambled eggs dry because it was like you heat the pan up, super fucking hot. You scramble the like you scramble the egg yolks. You put, toss them in there. Two minutes later, it's done. You cover it in ketchup, and you're done. Mm-hmm. But I realize as a, an adult person, like I really prefer eggs over medium, which means that I have to one heat up the pan, two have patience when I crack the egg so I don't break the yolk because the yolk is the thing that I like to dip my toast into. Mm-hmm. And it's be, it becomes this whole thing, and I think the the value and freedom and discipline is that like you have to slow down and be in the present. And sure, sure. I think that's I like, I like, fun. I like the growth of it. I like yeah. I like the idea of looking at some recipes and like I'm gonna make this, and then you make it, and then it's like here's what I think is wrong with it, and then you <laughs> change that, and then so by the fourth time. You've essentially created your own recipe. You started off with something else. I'm going to make the fucking casserole. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I want to add, um, I don't want just uh, cream of chicken. I want cream of chicken and cream of mushroom in there. Um, I want, uh, it says dry time. No, I want fresh time. Oh, wait, four stocks is too much. Now I want two. 
uh, frozen peas. No, what about snappies? What about popping out snappies? Yeah. Um, all these things. So next thing you know, after four or five times, you're like, this is my recipe. This is how I make it. And then for me, the thing that I love the most is to have the food and then be like, here, eat this. So I'll cook for people. And then I don't eat. I just stand there like a fucking creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just breathing really hard. Is it good? Yeah, is it good? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <clears throat> good for uh, you. So yeah, that's 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 a fun thing. Uh I mean always always writing um comedy or ideas, jokes, still still have notebooks of, of ideas. Um, just with other uh, time restraints, and I mean, you know how it is to, you know, to to get on the the road and drive back and forth and all that. Um, as much as I did enjoy that, at this particular moment in my life, I don't have a lot of that time um, uh, to do that. But you know, I still get a uh, love from people in the Detroit scene, and uh, you know, I pop up on a show here, or there, yeah. or, or a mic in in Ann Arbor. Um, or something like that. We so, should go to a so. mic together in Ann Arbor. <clears throat> I would love to. I would love to. Um, I need to reach out to uh, DT Daniel Thomas. He's running the show at Pointless. Blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Full Metal Jokers. Um, I actually did some improv in there one time. Yeah. It went well. They were like, we'd like you to come back. And I was like, Improv, improv's like I don't know what it it's it is. I I don't know. It's like sports. I don't like to watch it, but I like to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean. I appreciate that. I, mean, I, I think that there's there's fun to it, but as far as like sitting back and watching the craft, and and um, nah, not so much. But being on there, all the games that are make up, going back and forth, the spontaneity, um, it's fun. It's a nice challenge. So I. I was an improv improviser uh, in two different realms. I worked at the Michigan Renaissance Festival. Oh, I love Renaissance. Yeah, for like 13 years I worked there and like I remember that. Yeah, and I fucking loved it. It was yeah, my jam. I remember that. And then I I was at Go Comedy for a really long time and um at Renfair I my bit was super solo and then I ran stage shows so like I I didn't interact with a lot of people and there wasn't really a lot of room to watch people unless you went to like a stage show Um, but in improv like when you first get into it you're just like all you want to do is be like look what I can do look what I can do look what I can do and because all you want is someone to say like I see you you did so good. I love you. <laughs> Look at um, me, mom. <laughs> I'm doing it. And I hate admitting this because I know that, like, some people are going to be like, what the fuck, Haley? But, like, I personally don't enjoy watching stand-up comedy specials because uh. all it does is cause me anxiety. All it does. Of what? I don't know what it is. It's like a FOMO. Are you nervous for them? No. It's like, I should be doing more. I'm a failure. And it creates this whole big negative thing. So, like, I I don't enjoy it. Generally speaking, I don't enjoy it. However, I love seeing live comedy. I love going to... I love... I've seen Eddie Izzard a couple times live. Oh, wow. Um, Bianca Del Rio. I enjoy seeing it live. There's something about, like... 
I'm a part of this as a audience member, and it, that eases my tension somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an improviser, once you get into the craft, so after my first year when I had kind of completed levels one and two, and I was in the advanced, and I learned about the Herald and long form, it's interesting to watch people perform because it's kind of like watching people cook, where it's almost like, oh, okay, that's how you do that. I, yeah. Or oh, I, see, I see what you did. Yeah, there. yeah. Oh, or, he, should take, he should do the. Oh, they did it. But in there, or, or it's like, oh, fuck. I would have done it this way, mm-hmm. but that's a fucking brilliant choice. And yeah. um, it, it was, it is fun to watch for me. Um, but I'll be really honest. There's a lot of improv that you're like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, it's, it's well, that I, I I can relate to that because at at open mics, I mean, there's there's those cringeworthy um, people that that get on stage and it's 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 just bad. Not only is like the writing bad, the performing's bad. Just kind of forgetting like, or not even hitting like, this is how this craft goes. Um, but I get enjoyment out of them not knowing that at all. And they're in there and they're like, man, I'm fucking killing in their head. It's and that- to me, that's funny because it's like, I'm la- I'm laughing at something completely different. Yeah. You have, you, I'm yeah. not laughing with you. Am I laughing at you? More than I'm laughing with you, but I'm also really laughing and enjoying the whole situation. It- Looking at other people's uncomfortability. Yeah. I'm not, I, I feel that same way. But I sort of see it as, you know when, so you know when you're 15, and you're just you're not old enough to drive, so you're not like that grown up, but you're old enough to know like it's not cool to play with Barbie and it's not cool to like play whatever, <laughs> and your like 10 year old cousin does exactly what you did when you were 10 year 10 years old, where she like oh, is like, yeah. hey everybody. I'm going to put this play on. Please come watch. Yeah. And you're just like, you're at 15. You're like, oh my fucking God. And you're like, you can't, (laughs) you cannot rub your forehead. You can't look away. You have to smile Mm -hmm. and be like, wow, that was so cool. Like, great job. I love you so much. Keep coming. Keep doing it. And like, that's how I always feel when I see like new improvisers or new comedians where it's like, it's just so fucking cool that you're like a three year old that doesn't understand that sound travels. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <and> it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like you are gonna get to you a know place. You know that microphone's on, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you're like you you're gonna get to a place where you're gonna be like, wow, what the fuck was I well, doing? And, and and yeah, and not to sit and make fun of somebody trying no, something no, new no. at all because I look at my beginning yeah. videos and I'm just like oh my it's it's cringeworthy yeah. I, I can't watch it but because I'm, I'm I'm in shorts I didn't move the mic stand uh, I'm using fucking as um, <laughs> so, um fucking what the fuck are we gonna fucking do here it's like dude how many times you're taking all the power out yeah, of that man? right 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 um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It, it just, it's, I think that's the beauty of it because like in your in your inner 15 year old in the metaphor I used it's like you are feeling sh- embarrassment and shame for you at 10. Mm-hmm. And that person, who the, your cousin, unaware. 
They're just living they're un- their they're, best yeah. life. Ignorance is bliss. They're, oh. having, they're having a great time. Yeah, I remember that too. And also like a part of like growing up, you're like, oh, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> you don't know that that's not cool because I went to the delegates that say what is cool and what's not. And I'm sorry yeah. to say that. I cool. got my period, so yeah. I now know what's cool. <laughs> but like the thing is, and I, I was just talking about this with someone earlier. I still today. haven't gotten mine, by the way. Oh, it's different for different people. Okay. And it's different for different people. Like, don't feel bad about it. Okay. Well, I don't. I, I know mean, you I don't. I am who I am. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, like, the last thing I'll say on this is that, like, everyone's a nerd about something. Yeah. And, like, just go be a fucking nerd. Go do it. Okay, so. A motherfucking dream. <laughs> What is your one last thing here? What is your one big piece of advice that you want to give right now to our friends listening? Oh, big piece of advice. Yeah, what's your number one piece of advice right now, bud? Oh, no. Uh, Best piece of advice. Uh, Haley. Yeah. You you caught me there. You got me. Now I feel like that guy in the (laughs) day. Start off with my favorite movie and we'll move on to life advice. Um, my my life advice. Oh, I'm gonna have to just go simple. Uh, if you're feeling a certain way about something, it's okay to feel that way. You don't have to accept the situation, but the feeling is valid. And what you do from there will predict your future. So love yourself, love everybody else, and the more love you give, the more love you get. And I have experienced that in life, and it's fantastic. I'm really proud of you. I love you so much. I love you, too. I'm so happy. Mm, Thanks for being (laughs) on the show. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Ooh, Lolly. Golly. Uh, Bruce, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I know that that we talked about a lot of really intense things and you were really, really honest and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and how proud I am of you and any one of my friends who are listening who feel glimmers or feel like they can relate to Bruce, I just want to let you know that whether you had an identical struggle or something similar happen, I want you to know that I'm really proud of you because it's really hard to be alive. It's really hard to make the things that you want happen. So whatever you've managed to accomplish, I'm really proud of you. Just so you know. Um, please come out, support the 2019 Roast of the Santa, uh, Roast of Santa fundraiser for the for the uh, Save the Children Fund. We're going to be helping those kids and those families separated at the border. Uh, Saturday, December 14th at the Independent Comedy Club in Hamtramck. Doors are at 7 p.m. You can get your photo with Santa then. Show will start right around 7.30. Suggest a donation of $10. If you want to give more, certainly do. If you or someone you know is looking for support with substance abuse or general mental health issues, you can always call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It's a free 24-7, 365 hotline. You can always get information there. The number one more time for you is 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. You are not alone and you can do this. Um, Thank you so much and I love you. Take care of yourself. Cheers.